Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman. Israel Policy Forum recently launched our Realistic Reset Initiative, where we'll be examining four core policy areas related to the U.S. approach to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and one of those focus areas is the U.S.-Israel relationship. To better understand the nature of the U.S.-Israel relationship, particularly in recent years, it's important to take a look at the domestic politics shaping that partnership. A new documentary, Till Kingdom Come, examines evangelical Christian support for Israel in the United States. Today, I'm fortunate to be joined by two people who were instrumental in making that film. Maya Zinstein is the film's director. She's an Emmy Award-winning Israeli documentary filmmaker and journalist. Uh, Her last documentary, Forever Pure, won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Politics and Government Documentary in 2018. And her work has been broadcast abroad on a number of major platforms that I'm sure our listeners are familiar with, including Netflix, BBC, PBS, and many others, and screened at over 100 festivals around the world. A.B. Troen is one of the film's producers and is also an award-winning documentary filmmaker. He has worked on documentary projects in Israel, Kenya, India, Mexico, and the U.S., and his work has been screened at many Uh, important film festivals, including the Toronto International Film Festival, South by Southwest, Doc NYC, and many others. And he was a recipient of the Annenberg Fellowship uh, at the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts. Uh, Just a note before we jump into it, uh, if you want to watch this movie, uh, Till Kingdom Come, and I certainly recommend that you do, uh, I'll put a link in the description. You can watch it through a number of local organizations and local movie theaters. I watched it through the Acme Screening Room in Lambertville, New Jersey, which was the most local one for me, so you can support your local theater. That will be in the description of this podcast. But with that, Maya, A.B., thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for having us. Great to to virtually be here. To kick things off, why this topic, evangelical Christian support for Israel? Why do you think it's important for Americans to understand this issue? And why do you think Israelis should know about it? You know, I I, I think uh, the answer, uh, first of all, goes to that most of the people really don't know the story like for depth let's say that way uh, here in israel most of the israelis um would tell you about when you mention christian evangelicals they would say or we don't know or yeah these christians that love us <laughs> and uh, and that's it uh, and in the united states i think for for the jewish community for example um, I'm sure that all of them heard about this community, but I do think, and I'm hearing it from the responses uh, from people that watching it, that, that most of them would say, wow, we never knew, we never understood what's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, I, I, I would say that my, my goal was kind of to highlight the dark side of the moon, uh, because I do think that it's uh, extremely important um, a bond between the Christian evangelicals and the state of Israel that influencing these days uh, the American, uh, the Israelis, of course, the Palestinians, uh, the American uh, Jewish community, and the American people in general. 
I would say that when when Donald Trump won the election in 2016, it was uh, kind of a moment of reckoning for, um, you know, I think many people in the United States um, and myself being both an Israeli and um, also an American and a Jew. Um, I was really curious on what this meant uh, and how really U.S. domestic politics really had an influence on what it meant to be a Jew and what it meant to be an Israeli. Um, and joining Maya on this adventure, um, ironically enough, the answers to this question came uh, from spending three years inside of churches. Um, and, and we hope that through this process, we'll learn more what it means to be a Jew and an Israeli and how America uh, is affecting that relationship. I was really struck by the passion and enthusiasm that many of the people that you spoke with in this film, uh, many of the evangelical Christians showed for Israel. Uh, what motivates uh, their beliefs? And, uh, you know, A.B., you mentioned the election of Donald Trump. How is that significant for them, particularly as it relates to Israel? Well, I, I think Israel factors into the evangelical support of Israel, uh, primarily based on theology. Um, I'll go into, I'll try to make it as succinct as possible of, of an explanation. Um, firstly, it's important to note that evangelicals are not a monolith. So there are many different uh, forms of, of this belief. Um, you know, there's no pope or one dogma like you will find in the Catholic Church. Here you see multitude of views. Um, that being said, there are several things related to is Israel, which generally speaking, and I'm going to make some generalizations, are, are true. First of all, evangelicals uh, believe, unlike many other Christian uh, counterparts, that the Jewish people still have a covenant with God. They have a literal interpretation of the Old Testament or, or our Jewish scriptures. Um, and that includes God's promise to Abraham that the land between the uh, Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea will go to Abraham's descendants. Breaking this rule is therefore seen as going against God's uh, word. The other element to this is also that as part of this uh, literal interpretation, you have God's promise to Abraham that any peoples who curse God, Abraham's descendants will be cursed, and any uh, people who bless Abraham's descendants will be blessed. So there are some uh, prominent evangelical factions who take a literal interpretation of this. In other words, if they support the Jewish people and the descendants of Abraham, God will support them. I can provide you just an anecdote that one of the scenes that Maya and I filmed in, in Mar-a-Lago in Trump's estate um, was a gala of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, where on the giant screens in, in, in the Mar-a-Lago estate, we heard testimony after testimony after testimony of evangelicals across the United States who said, I started out with a small business, I started giving money to Jews, today I own a much larger business, and this is because that God has blessed me as he promised in the Old uh, Testament. Finally, the final part of this is the eschatology, or the end of times uh, element, which is that by combining aspects of the Jewish Bible and the final book in the New Testament, the book of Revelations, which deals mainly with the apocalypse and end of times, the evangelicals see the return of the Jews home to Israel as a key 
crucial event to um, as part of the, the roadmap to the end of the world, um, which this end of the world might seem scary, but in their eyes, uh, um, you know, an apocalypse filled with battles and blood, at the end of which two-thirds of the Jews will be killed, the remaining third will need to convert to Christianity, but at the end of all this, Jesus will return to earth, and we will uh, um, see, you know, the kingdom of peace um, upon earth. So, this is this third final element is one perhaps which is the most complicated um, because the Jews are a key and a crucial key as part of an end time plan uh, with very complicated dramatic um, end goal in the in the prophetic future. No, I, I think Ab really summarized it on, on the best way, and I will just add that for myself as a secular person. Um, I have to say that, you know, when, when I'm looking into this subject, I'm not looking into the, you know, let's say the prophecy is less worries me uh, because I guess it's just a decision who believes it and who's not. Um, but for me, what really interests me is how this faith is actually has an influence on my present and my near future. And of course, you know, not only myself, but the state of Israel, uh, the Palestinian people that live next to us, um, and all the region. And I do think that when we invite into the conversation uh, people that actually uh, see in any violence that happens here as a sign uh, for Jesus' return, this is something that I have to say uh, just scares me. Yeah, that was something that really stood out to me about this. And, you know, I don't want to generalize uh, what people's beliefs are. And, you know, you raised a good point there, A.B., regarding that, because this is not a monolithic community. But some of the people who specifically uh, you spoke to in the movie um, kind of uh, contravened what my pre-existing notions of this community were. I mean, there was the radio show host who was talking about when you see the bombings or, or rocket attacks in Israel, you know, this is something to look forward to. And I always just assumed that this was like very enthusiastic support for Israel for religious reasons, kind of what you outlined, but not that these, you know, events which involve real people getting hurt or killed uh, were something to look forward to. So, yeah, that uh, that was really striking. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that that's the point. You know, I think it's we think that we live in a secular world, but we are not. And I think behind the scenes there are um, po religious powers that pushing us to certain uh, directions, and and we have to understand that, and 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 also to to think how we're working with that, you know, and and what we're doing about that. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not questioning anyone's faith. Every person is, can believe whatever he wants, but once, you know, people in that live miles, thousands of miles away from here and they won't participate in the next war here. And my brother actually will, you know, my brother is in the reserves. So I really want to know in, in the name of whom, uh, we're going to fight our next wars and who is involved in this. On, on, on a, I'm not saying that they're causing this, of course not, but I do think that their actions um, pushing us to a certain situation, political situation here, 
um, that basically keeps us in the conflict here with the Palestinians as well. That that's of course just one angle, but that's of course something that w- we are living it on a daily basis, and the Palestinians as well, of course. Of course, and one of those areas uh, where there is a real tangible political impact is in uh, evangelical support for the West Bank settlement movement. I mean, uh, we spoke about the kind of literal interpretation of the biblical covenant between God and the Jewish people and kind of the territorial provisions of that, the greater land of Israel, um, in in kind of its more generous interpretation. So I was wondering if you could elaborate a little on uh, the evangelical role in the West Bank settlement movement and how that's playing out today. I think many people, when they talk about the involvement of of, this, of the Christian evangelicals in the in the settlements, they first go to the money. And I have to say that the money, uh, and that's why the film is not really going, not not really following the money uh, of the um, of the evangelicals in the settlements. I really don't think that the money is is the main thing, you know. If tomorrow there is no evangelical uh, financial support for the settlements, the st- settlements will still exist because most of the money comes from the Israeli government. And the money that comes from the evangelicals is really just the cherry on the top. But I think the uh, political support that they're receiving, and I think we saw it on the, on the last four years, you know, when Mike Pompeo uh, goes and says something like uh, the settlements are not illegal per se. This is really changing the policy of United States uh, on this issue. Um, you know, of course, yes, moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, this is changing the status quo. Um, the deal of the century that uh, Trump presented, um, that probably won't happen now, but again, it it really talked about annexation of huge parts of the of the West Bank. And I have to say that I think that if COVID wouldn't happen today, we would have at least partially uh, parts of, of the West Bank. I, I think that that almost happened here, you know. So so I think when you look on the influence of, of this community on the settlements, you really need to look into them. Into the, into the political support because the Christian evangelicals are the only major power out of Israel that's supporting uh, the settlements openly. You know, I think I, I think just the one thing I would add to that is that you know you do have the the general issue of of demographics here, right? Which is to say that you know by by generous uh, estimates. By the, the most generous estimates, there are still under 20 million Jews in the world today, whereas in the not-so-generous estimates of evangelicals, there are 600 uh, to 800 million, and, and, and it's seen as one of the fastest-growing religions in the world. Um, so, you know, the, the, the perception that Israel um, and what goes on in Israel only has to do, let's say, with the American Jewish community um, or uh, um, the Jews in the diaspora, and that these are like the people who have an interest in us is not is not the full picture. Um, we really need to take into account that there is a large group that outnumbers the Jewish people 
that Israel plays a key role in their theology and in their politics. So moving forward, you know, the Bible is not going to disappear regardless of who is in the White House. So be it the upcoming midterms, uh, 2022, or the general elections 2024, and far beyond that, this, this issue is going to remain relevant um, to the U.S. relations with Israel and Israel's standing globally. So, as Maya said, this particular group does have a greater interest in the settlement movements and in a right-wing policy. So this is something to be mindful of for Israeli governments and for Jews in the United States um, who see themselves having a relationship or a say in, in the U.S. policy towards Israel. And given that alignment that you just mentioned, A.B., the, the alignment and political objectives between the, uh, the evangelical pro-Israel community and the Israeli right— uh, how do you think evangelical groups would respond to Israelis with a different position who are more on the left or, or center left? I'll just start by saying that it is it is important. To, first of all, yes, that is a great question. Um, I think, you know, in Israel, there there is a um, uh, an organization. Maya can speak about this uh, further in a moment and elaborate about it. But but there is a bipartisan uh, group within the Israeli parliament that works with evangelicals. That is to say, Israelis both left and right recognize that this is a um, group that, that is important, that we need to have relations with, right? I think it becomes extremely complicated and tricky once you also start breaking down um, what other uh, topics are important to evangelical constituents, which may not always align with topics that are important to Israeli constituents. The ones uh, that come right on top of that list are LGBTQI rights, right? Um, where we have seen, you know, over the past administration, uh, uh, an agenda pushed by this group, which was not, let's say, the same as the Obama's administration, to say the least. This is also true with questions of women's rights, um, the pro-life, pro-choice debate in the United States. Do these things infiltrate? Can they infiltrate the Israeli system? Or do the two parties just say, well, we can disagree on enormous things theologically, politically, um, in terms of uh, our entire uh, um belief system, but if we only agree on Israel, then we should, you know, make uh, uh, good political allies. It is a question, and I think Maya, Maya can take it from here. I don't want to speak on, on behalf of 800 million uh, uh, evangelicals, um, so I will speak, uh, you know, from, from the side of, of Israel, um, and the organization that AB mentioned, that it's actually uh, a a Christian caucus in, in the Knesset, in the Israeli parliament, where it's actually a bipartisan caucus. And I think all that goes to to the fact that this movement um, almost owned the word support of Israel. And, you know, if just looking into, when you're thinking on that, we maybe used to think of support as something that is uh, objective. But actually, support is something is a subjective term. 
and many things that the Christian evangelical community um, pushes uh, here, uh, many of Israelis would consider as not support at all. And I think, you know, you know and this is the, like the core of their great, great success here is basically when you come to any Israeli and you would say, would you like a huge group of people that supports Israel? Yes, of course, we want that. Um, but I think we really need to look into this support and to understand what exactly they are doing and where exactly they are pushing us. And, and you know, and, and yes, that it's not a support. It's a support of a very right-wing agenda on this place. Um, and I think it's it's uh, it's really important to be aware of that. And and of course, on the other hand, when you're thinking what this support does for the uh, American Jewish community, I think it it creates a huge division uh, between American Jewish community and the state of Israel. And of course, it comes alongside with the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu uh, decided uh, to make um, the issue of Israel that always was a bipartisan issue. He basically chose sides, you know. And I met many young Americans, Jewish Americans, that told me today we cannot say on, the, on during Trump administration, we cannot say that we support Israel because it means that we support Trump and we are not. So I think, you know, when you're looking into this, um, into this bond, you really should go and, and think on, on, on these aspects. And, and for the evangelicals, you know, I have to say that most of them, and I will generalize that, most of them never met one Israeli in their lives. <laughs> really. Uh, I don't know if they actually have opinions on Israelis that are not right-wing, you know. Uh, most of them um, know about Israel from the Bible. Um, and, you know, things happened since then here. And... Um, yeah, and most of them, I think, have um, a much more religious uh, view on us rather than, you know, social, political, and complicated. But I'm really generalizing here, and, and I'm always very cautious on doing that, you know, but, but that's my general feeling. Right, of course. Uh, you know, I'm thinking also more about the leadership of, and the organized movement. I mean, there was a line in the movie when you were filming at the Christians United for Israel conference, and, uh, you know, Pastor John Hagee, the leader of that organization, was saying, uh, this is a really, you know, uh, opportune time for our movement because we have support in both the White House and with the Prime Minister of Israel. Um, and I was thinking, well, what if, you know, how would an organization like Kufi, uh, Christians United for Israel, how would they interface with a you know center-left Israeli prime minister? It doesn't look like that's something that's likely in the near term, uh, at least with the way the the current election polling is projected. But you know, somewhere down the line, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting thing to consider. Well, you know, as Abi said, you know. In the United States, you have elections every two years, and you actually <laughs> can change your president every four years, something that we hear more struggling, <laughs> as we have the same prime minister for over 10 years. Um, and, and, you know, and, and these powers are not going to disappear, and, and they're here to stay. And we need to understand that um, and look on these issues beyond the you know, the current uh, administration 
um, which of course today the situation would would be different, you know. But in two years, there's another elections in the United States, and and I definitely think there, yeah, that I, I do think that that they won't disappear. Just shifting gears for a moment, um, you filmed an interaction between uh, Pastor Boyd from a pro-Israel church in Kentucky and a Palestinian pastor in Bethlehem. And despite both being Christian, there seemed to be a lot of disagreement between them in terms of the political situation. Um, And, you know, after their conversation, Pastor Boyd reflects, well, there's actually no such thing as a Palestinian. Did you find those kinds of views to be widespread among the people that you spoke with? What what was their what were their feelings about Palestinians? We know or we've spoken a lot about how they feel about Israel, uh, but what about their neighbors? So I would say that I, I think that the emphasis for the evangelical, theological, and political uh, support of Israel is the Jews, right? The Jews are um, the main characters in the uh, eschatological prophetic uh, faith that they have. And so most of, you know, their focus is on them. I think, you know, the, the um, byproduct or thing, you know, that is, is inherent within that statement I just made is who is the emphasis not on, who are not part of the story. Um, so, you know, the prime example for this would be Trump's peace initiative, where, uh, Maya and I were filming within the white house, uh, at the announcement. And it was so striking to be in a room discussing peace between Israelis and Palestinians. And yet not a single Palestinian is there. Instead, you have very, very prominent and influential Christian evangelical leaders in the room um, and prominent Israelis right of center in the room. And these are the people going to make peace in the Middle East. Um, So, you know, uh, um, the same could also be said of the U.S. Embassy move in Jerusalem, which was an event where, same story, Prominent evangelicals who hold a lot of sway on, on American voters, on American constituents, right of center Israelis, no Palestinians um, present. So I think when, when you look at, at things, you know, from the top down, this is the message, this is the faith, this is um, the implications of it. This is the implications of only seeing the Jewish people and not seeing everyone else. I want to come back to something that we spoke about earlier. A.B., you mentioned this Genesis 12.3 passage uh, that's very important, the whole, uh, I will bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you. Um, And the idea uh, we discussed before that many people who you spoke with in this film said they had donated to Israel and then they had experienced good fortune. Um, 
on the U.S. side, a lot of your film focuses on this pro-Israel church in Bell County, Kentucky, where something like 30% of the population is living below the poverty line. And uh, I was looking at the numbers the other day, the, the median income in this county is about half the median income in Israel. So why do you think um, so many people living with uh, so little, by and large, are willing to give so much to Israel, which is, which is on the whole, a relatively prosperous country? Um, and did this ever come up as an issue among uh, Israelis who organize on their behalf or, or even with uh, the Eckstein's, Yael Eckstein and her father, the, the late Rabbi Yechiel Eckstein, who were organizing the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews that was involved there? Um, was that a conversation? You know, I think that the answer for your question um, is faith. <laughs> it's a very difficult, you know, faith is uh, irrational. Uh, and yes, I do think that especially in these kind of places, and actually the numbers um, are much higher. Uh, the, the, um, I think it's more than 50% of the kids uh, in this county live under the poverty line. And I think the numbers of general population is, is 47 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's a very poor place. Actually, it's considered as the eighth worst county to live in in America. In a certain sense, I think it's almost when I was there, it felt like, you know, in this place, you or you're in the heads of, hands of God or you're in the hands of the devil. There's no middle. Um, uh, every fourth person deals with a certain addiction there. So and I do think that faith gives hope you know, for better uh, life. And we are just part of the story. Um, and we need to understand that. Um, and I do think that people that donate, they donate uh, with an open heart, you know. They really believe in it. Um, so that's from their side. Um, I think on the on the side that of the fellowship, you know, on this event in Mar-a-Lago that uh, A.B. mentioned, I remember Rabbi Actin Zal uh, uh, stands on a, on a stage and says, the people that donate us donated sacrificially. Um, so they definitely aware of, you know, that a lot of money doesn't come from very rich people. I'm sure also there are rich people uh, among their donors, but yes, they, they understand that. And, and I think, you know... <laughs> I don't know what, what really Yael thinks in her heart on that, you know, and I'm always very cautious on talking about what happens in someone's heart. Um, but I think they definitely understand that. Um, and from that moment, you know, it's, it's, it's their decision. Should they take it or not? Right, of course, you can't uh, know precisely what someone's motivations are beyond what they're willing to tell you. Um, it's just a really, as you illustrated, I guess maybe the statistics I was looking at were out of date, but a really striking, uh, divide there. Um, my last question, Maya, you mentioned earlier that you found that many Israelis aren't really familiar with this issue. So what kind of reaction has this film gotten in Israel? 
Yeah, so, so the film has been screened here on uh, Can 11, on the public uh, TV. And and I, I have to say, it was really incredible. It also received a lot of press coverage and a lot of opens that has been written following the film. And, and I think, you know, the, the and there was huge debate that started on the social media about the film and around these questions, you know, <laughs> this question, is it good for the Jews or bad for the Jews? <laughs> it's something that we love to ask ourselves. And, and um, yeah, and I think most of the people that were also reached out to me directly, their response was, oh my God, I can't believe that I never knew about this. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I'm glad that now they know about it. And I really hope that, you know, it will it will keep going also here, not only in the United States. And, you know, there may I to- totally understand that uh, our current prime minister is totally, you know, has a great ties with this community. But at some point, even Benjamin Netanyahu would be switched to someone else. And then, you know, I, I would be really glad that, I don't know, the next uh, um, government, People that, you know, our politicians actually will ask themselves, you know, uh, can it be a bipartisan issue in Israel? You know, is it again, is it some is it a, how we should cooperate with this group? Um, I think there's a lot of questions to ask here, not only on a level of individuals, you know, that watching it and saying, wow, I had no idea. Uh, and now I'm glad that I know. Um, but also on the level of the um, of, of our politicians and our policymakers. I, I know I said that would be my last question, but I, I have to ask just a quick follow up. I mean, certainly there are um, some Israelis and Americans and members of the the American Jewish community who are invested in the success of the evangelical Israeli partnership uh, for political reasons, whether it's support for settlements or something else. So did you receive any kind of negative feedback or, or criticism uh, from people who are, are more supportive of that relationship? Um, I can tell you that I, I received many messages from uh, settlers and from people from the right wing, and many of them said, yeah, this is disturbing, but we still need to take it, you know. Um, and there were all even people on the right wing that said, yeah, we watched the film. It's a great film, but I haven't seen anything wrong. And that's okay, you know. I think the film is, is edited and, and told in a way that it actually allows everyone to watch it and make and decide what they think on this topic. I don't want to make propaganda to any side. Uh, and my personal opinions, of course, they exist. Uh, but I do think that the film really tells the story as it is. And the story is told by the people from this bond. So nobody talks about them. It's them are the, the ones that are talking. And we're showing uh, events and behind the scenes of, of key events. Um, and every person can decide, uh, uh, you know, what what he thinks on that. And I, and I know that there are people that will watch it and say, yeah, we know maybe the prophecy is not really great, but, but we still need this support right now. Well, I encourage everyone to watch it and also make your own judgment and assessment of the situation that's going on. 
Uh, Maya, AB, thank you for joining the podcast and, and giving your insights on this really fascinating and important topic. Thank you for hosting us. Thank you so much for hosting us. And um, uh, we invite everyone to watch the film. And for our listeners, if you are interested in watching this film, Till Kingdom Come, you can find a link in the description of this podcast. You can watch it through many different local organizations and theaters, so you can have your pick. Thank you for tuning in. Until our next episode, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next time.